All right, sweet. We're up. What's up, people? Welcome to uh, my podcast once again. Blessed to welcome Roxanne Ruby today. Um, man, you've got so much going on, so many cool things. You vibe on all the uh, all the high levels. Um, uh, I, I will say a, a pagan spirit, uh, an oracle spirit, uh, a, you know, a wizard mystic spirit, and um, you know, I think a naturalist and a creator and a high vibrational being for sure, um, who just keeps bringing magic into the world, inspiring lots of people, myself included. So, um, so much to kind of unpack on like who you are and what's going on and everything you're working on, but um, welcome. Thank you. How's it going? Good to be here. <laughs> it's cool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of time in the making. Yeah, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward. Um, so we first met, uh, which I don't know if you caught my last uh, piece with um, with JS, which was super, uh, super fun. We had a great chat and um, and just, just a rad, rad cat he is. But we met at Burning Man, he and I. You and I have also met at Burning Man. I have no problem if my podcast just evolves into a pure... <laughs> burning man brethren you know uh you know community uh chat here because i think it's just the meat rad people at burning man i think it's an incredible magical place and space and you guys brought it big time when we were there um and so that's where we connected and now when we connected there as you just said prior to us jumping on um in the pyramid around the pyramid, we're all part of the Play Alchemist uh, community, which, um, you know, are, are a bunch of rock stars that bring incredible people together, which I was blessed to be a part of also. And um, and you guys put a performance on there. And now this was the, I'm gonna get this right, all the names. There were a whole bunch of you that came together as a collab on this. It was incredible performance in the uh, pyramid that you performed a few times. The Human Initiation Project, yes, put on by Lucent Dossier, which included, who are the partners on that for their, I their mean, <laughs> there was Dream, or you said Dream was involved, and? Yeah. Um, was I mean, there was so many incredibly talented artists. Uh, yeah. The Lucent Dossier Circus is always kind of an evolving roster of some of the best performers on the planet. Right. And this show uh, included also uh, Stella Mara, who was one of the lead vocalists, and mm-hmm. all these musicians that came together and actually created the soundtrack just for the show, a live soundtrack that was in no language. It was all just star language. Mm-hmm. And then my business partner and best friend, Ruby Chase, was the other vocalist with that as well as just a panel of insanely talented musicians that created this whole entire new language just for the show. Right. Yep. Super cool. I mean, it was, it was incredibly powerful and it went through like the elements and personal transformation. It just integrated all these kind of like alchemical themes and stuff, which was on yeah. point with obviously, you know, personal transformation of the camp and 
the whole experience and all that it was it was awesome and then we've vibed since you and i have followed your journey and, and likewise and um we thought it would be amazing to come drop in and, and unpack some of these these mystical themes and uh and yeah. your work and, and your drawing of these arts and some of your you know adventures and all this stuff so you know that's why we're here i think it's going to be really interesting and insightful um to chat about some of this stuff so like what's what's happening how's it going it's going good uh there's a lot happening right now that i am excited to dive into mm-hmm. and i just wanted to acknowledge i hadn't thought about that show in a while that was a couple of years ago at burning man 2018 mm-hmm. and i got burned at the stake at that show oh wow yeah. Yeah, you were playing with fire and stuff. It was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And your and your um, your movement, your dance, because you you dance as well. Obviously. Yeah, it took me out. There was like this whole, basically, the show. It was the Human Initiation Project, and the subtitle to it was Imaginal, mm-hmm. and it was the idea of you know like um, these imaginal cells that are present within the journey of the butterfly and how the butterfly goes into the chrysalis and there's this emergence of cells that were not ever present in the caterpillar and that through the the metamorphosis of the butterfly this new being is made and i do feel very much like that's the time that we're in right now is the emergence Mm-hmm. Like you and me are the imaginal cells that are dreaming a new life into existence. Mm-hmm. And in the show, we were addressing the issues that we're facing. So we were addressing like the issues with fashion and the environmental impact of it. And we were addressing uh, breaking the spell of the wisdom of the feminine and all of the witches that were burned. Mm-hmm. And so my role in that was to represent the fire element because it was a journey through the elements. And I, I carried out this book of wisdom and I was in chains and they brought me out to center stage and we had a Kevlar rope dipped in gasoline, white gas that we lit on fire. And I was in the center of this burning, you know, pyre, a funeral pyre representing that wisdom that was burned and buried and almost lost uh, but then there's the re-emergence towards the end of the show where we come back and we've transmutated that journey and I'm wearing like a big fire crown and we brought Christopher who created the whole camp up on stage and initiated him and honored this re-emergence of the wisdom traditions that were almost eradicated from the planet but are coming back in a really powerful way. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that memory back. I haven't thought about that show in so long. <laughs> awesome. I mean, like to, to speak to it, um, yeah. you know, I think you can kind of hear the power of what you're referring to and the, the symbology and the significance of it, but to like witness what you guys performed was like, Oh, like it was mind blowing. Right. In this pyramid in the middle of the desert, like, you know, kind of at the twilight of the evening and stuff. Like it was, it was something else, just such a magic, magic place, right? Um, Truly. But then let's let's kind of start because, well, unpacking some of your journey in this in this world, because um, you're involved in a number of projects now. We're just kind of you know 
referring to a bit, uh, you know, Agents of Change, um, the Academy of Oracle Arts, um, uh, Convergence is the production company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, all spectacular names. Like, a, I'm a brand-minded guy. <laughs> I just love the the position <laughs> of all that. It's just, it's just rad. And, um, and obviously all in alignment with, you know, with your world and, and your beliefs and, the, you know, the magic you embody. So like, where did this all start for you? This, this journey into, into mysticism and, and, you know, kind of other perspectives, you know, personal transformation, empowerment, this, this type of journey. Well, I mean, it started on December 7th, 1992, when I incarnated into this no. life. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome, right? Pretty much, that was the beginning of go. the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, both, both my parents are yogis, and uh, my grandfather is a Tibetan Lama. And so my whole family, I mean, in some way, shape, and form, are very spiritually inclined. And uh, I've traveled the world with my mom starting at a very young age. So I had a lot of exposure to different cultures and uh, different ways of living and celebrating this journey of life. And from a very young age, I loved bringing people together. Like I was throwing parties when I was like eight years old (laughs) and Ruby and I were doing the same thing that we're doing now, like organizing shows for the neighborhood and you know, choreographing song and dance and telling stories. That's hilarious. And, and you two have been yeah. peas in the pod for forever, right? Um, Three, four years. Three or four years old. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, nothing has changed. Everything has changed, but nothing has changed. You know, right. we both at that age even were like, oh, you're here to do the same thing I'm here to do. Let's do it together. And it's just been an evolution of refinement and really finding our voice and finding our path and finding our team and getting to work with people like dream and lucent dossier and all of you with playa alchemist and just so many amazing opportunities to share our heart through our art and also though uh speaking of the origins one thing that i can definitely mark as a pivotal moment for the purpose that I feel like I'm here to be of service to in the world is, uh, well, first and foremost, my spiritual journey. I feel like my relationship with the divine has always been at the forefront of my life and creating that personal experience for myself. And then um, also when I was like 18 years old, I found out about this term of bread and circus. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar. Mm. Uh, it's like from the Roman empire and uh, one of the Caesars, the quote is um, if you give them bread and circus on the weekend, they will work for you all week. Mm. And um, essentially it's like these ancient traditions that have been a part of humanity since our origins Mm. of food and celebration as a way of creating and maintaining culture Mm. that through the empire, these gifts have been turned into uh, a slave society. And, you know, basically like we see all these people working the route race, 
you know, enslaved to their nine to five in order to like go out to the bars on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And the sanctity of food and celebration has really been taken out. And so for me, the past 10 years have been a journey of re-infusing bread and circus with uh, divinity and Mm -hmm. with meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that was like a big initiation for me of just being like, wow, like that's my, like I love entertainment and I love wellness and I want to bring God back into those things and bring the sacred back into those things. And Mm -hmm. there's such tools for influence. What people eat creates their reality. What people consume from entertainment creates their reality in Mm -hmm. such a significant way. And so me and also Ruby, I mean, we're just like on the path together and our vision is to, yeah, take over mainstream media and change the standard American diet and turn it into a power of good in the world. What do you, um, what do you think is missing in the, um, like all that said, I can unpack that for a while. And so let's kind of do that. But I mean, let's touch on that last point. What do you think is missing in the mainstream American diet? I mean, I'm big into, you know, healthy living. I'm big into healthy nourishment and um, I'm plant-based myself. What are your thoughts on, on what are, what's going on there? Those types of patterns. Agents of change is big in that world, right? Of about um, empowerment through nutrition and wellness patterns and the like, right? So, you know, what are your thoughts? on what's happening in that world right now? Well, a lot is happening in that world. Uh, to answer your question specifically of what's missing, mm. um, you know, because we could go into so many different tangents of the impact that particularly the standard American diet, because there's a lot of different food cultures all over the world, and some have really remained intact, and many have been severely over processed and you know ridden with all kinds of chemicals but i think that you know just to address like what is it that we're missing Mm. is um on a scientific level micronutrients Mm. and um it starts in the soil and so what we're seeing right now and for anyone that's interested in learning more about this there's a really epic documentary that just got released called kiss the ground Mm. by an organization that i've been connected to for years down in Southern California and uh, the issues that we're facing right now are really in the soil because of the farming practices that have been really heavily financed (laughs) in the past few decades, especially uh, there's a crisis with our soil of just, all these herbicides and pesticides being sprayed and the particular farming practices are so detrimental to our soil health that not only are we losing all of the essential nutrients that is in our soil, but we're also losing our topsoil at a rate that is just quite scary, actually. Um, Because our topsoil is like where our food grows. And because of these farming practices, like the whole agenda is like, oh, this will help you like grow faster and, you know, yield a bigger crop with less 
weeds or whatever. And what ends up happening is it just totally depletes the soil and then destroys it. Mm. And so, you know, we are actually facing a pretty severe food crisis right now that a lot of people aren't aware of. And at the end of the day, it's up to us as consumers. Like I believe in the power of the consumer so much that we do have the power through how we vote with our dollars and the choices we make as conscious consumers to really pivot the whole industry and shine a light on these issues and hopefully see some big change even just in the next few years because we need to make these changes pretty rapidly. Hmm. And what kind of change um, would you seek? Like what, what's like, um, I mean, I guess from a personal level for sure, but also like an industry-wide level, what does that change look like? Like how would that process shift? Um, And how should someone who's walking down the street, voting with their dollars, make a different choice? Um, You know, after listening to you on this podcast, what's a way that they could, that they could do that? Well, a few things, Um, you know, we, we essentially need to collectively defund the chemical agriculture industry, mm-hmm. which means, you know, get to know your local farmers. If there's farmers markets, you know, find out where your food is being grown and support that, you know, not just organic, but like by beyond organic farmers that are really making strides to be a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to acknowledge that like not everybody has access to that and, you know, it's like great for those of us, like I'm from Hawaii, I live in California, we have so much access to healthy, locally grown, live organic food. But unfortunately, we will be affected by the choices of the masses. So it's really becomes a conversation about giving accessibility to the millions of people living in the South and in Central America that don't, or um, the middle America and that don't have access to these, you know, kind of privileges that we have. And so that's the mission with agents of change is giving accessibility. And we work particularly with a product line of herbs and superfoods that are grown in nutrient rich, biodynamic, beyond organic fertile Mm. soil that then carry that nutritional potency to people that, you know, it's, it's raw dehydrated. So it's it's shelf stable. We can get it to anyone in the nation. Mm -hmm. We also send it to Canada and Europe. And uh, yeah, it's just a matter of like, that's the new normal that I'm envisioning is like, just like people Mm -hmm. got delivered to their front door, the new normal, instead of bread and cheese, it's superfoods and herbs and, being able to really nourish ourselves because, you know, we need to come into like a frequency match to the future that we're wanting to see, which is, you know, much healthier, especially now we're facing this global pandemic. Like our physical wellness is a major priority Mm -hmm. and the plants carry the intelligence to really turn things around for us. That's cool. Um, Like super valuable to share that. I feel uh, that, this is your philosophy. This is your belief on some of these issues, but then agents of change is also, you know, a conduit 
to, you know, obtain, to receive, to source these nutrients and micronutrients that were, you know, a bit more scarce on and um, increasingly so. So that's cool how that all ties together. I know you look after yourself, lots of fitness, great health, great, you know, nutrition, um, lots of, you know, content and lots of, um, you know, of snaps and whatnot of you like adventuring all over the place, right. All over the world and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, hiking and waterfalls and all the magical stuff, which, you know, I also very much appreciate, which is super cool, which I would suggest is something you feel like doing more when you eat well, <laughs> when you look after yourself, other than just sitting in a bar, which, um, I used to do for a long time and uh, I don't anymore, but that was, you know, eight years ago, I guess that I, that I gave that up and started changing some of these, you know, health patterns and, and uh, eight and a half years plant-based now. So I also resonate with a lot of these um, choices, you know, and the importance and equally, especially this year, given everything that's going on, I think it does bring it up, you know, front and center. Um, yeah, so, so interesting, so cool. And then touching on some of your travel, like you were exploring Egypt last year, and I found that fascinating. It's obviously a Mecca for the, you know, what's the best word to say? The alchemically, you know, uh, curious, the metaphysically minded, you know, um, the seekers and, and uh, the mystics and magicians of the world, you know, for sure. Um, tell us a bit about that. How, how was that trip? What did you find? What did you learn? Like there's so much in it. So, I mean, yeah, right. I know. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, it's such a special place. So, I mean, what, how was that for you? Oh, it was remarkable. Of course, uh, it was definitely an initiation journey. Um, I had the incredible honor of going with a woman who I'm now apprenticing under, who uh, goes by the name of Isis. And uh, for me, I live in a very mythological landscape. And so for, in my life, for me, she is Isis. Um, this name was given to her at a very young age and uh, she would never acknowledge that she is the goddess, but in my reality, she is. So for me, I like, I got to go to Egypt with Isis, which was pretty much the coolest thing that, you know, one could do in regards to visiting the sacred land of Egypt, which the original Egyptian name is Kemet. Uh, Kem is the root of alchemy. Alchemy is the dark fertile soil from which everything grows. And so Egypt is that, you know, this land of Kemet, it's the dark fertile soil. And um, our journey was remarkable. It was two weeks right around this time last year. I got to spend uh, winter solstice in the Isis temple mm. and because we had a big group. We were able to uh, reserve the temples just to ourselves. And so we were going into like Karnak and the Isis temple and the great pyramid in the late or, you know, early hours, like three o'clock in the morning, we would go in, mm -hmm. we'd have the whole temple just to ourselves. Wow. And we 
we were able to do some pretty remarkable rituals and just hold a prayer for the collective and for the world and um, use the magnetic powers of these temples to, you know, our, our vision was to create a positive rippling effect that would go into the collective web of creation Mm-hmm. And I got to spend Christmas morning in between the paws of the Sphinx doing an Oracle, right. And receiving the wisdom of that space and time. And yeah, it was a remarkable journey. I learned so much about myself. It unlocked a lot of like memories of our innate magical intelligence and the capacity that we have as humans that I feel like has just been totally suppressed and uh yeah it was it was quite an adventure <laughs> let's talk yeah i'm sure it, it looked amazing <laughs> the photos the photos uh are incredible um and you know the vibration of the space and the people you're with and just the whole exploration of it, i'm sure it was it was something else um tell me about this suppression I mean, you've brought this up a couple times I'm certainly aware of it myself, but not everybody who's with us would be um, necessarily what you're referring to, but it's valid. And of course, whatever is coming up for you and sharing that, um, you know, is, is also valid and it's important. And it does relate, I feel, to the um, divine feminine and the um, uh, wisdom within her and her presence and, and call into the world uh, equally and with a full voice and all of her wisdom and gifts and all of this, you know, uh, magic, which, um, which I certainly appreciate being in the presence of and sharing and um, uh, sharing in and all these uh, spectacular things that, you know, come with the presence of goddess energy and divine femininity and all this. This is a whole this is a whole realm in and of itself, but let's touch on this. Yeah. May we, may we let's touch on some of this like suppression. We've talked about like your performance and you know, the burning of the, you know, the symbolic burning, you know, which has passed and, um, and this, um, could you share some of the origins of this energy and, and where you think we're at now and what's kind of coming up for, for women around the world and participation, I guess. Participation being a word, uh, probably right. Increasing participation, empowerment, all of this, yeah? Yeah. I mean, just hearing you, I'm like, man, the patriarchy sure fucked up. Like, we, like, isn't it great to be in the presence of fully awakened women? Like, come on, like, instantly makes the room a better place when like a beautiful awakened woman comes into this space it's like god like isn't that like what so many of the men are working towards right is like that's why people go to the bars is like to find someone to you know hook up with or whatever like but but (laughs) but many men are very intimidated and afraid of this energy and because of the culture yeah sure i mean it's unconscious as much as it's conscious uh but there is a a line of intimidation that men who aren't confident in their own skin in the especially in the presence 
of a you know confident radiant woman uh they can't handle they're intimidated with it and that's i think where a lot of this toxic energy is emerged and some of this is this suppression you refer to and this is a you know a response to not being you know not showing up i'll say this not showing up as a man to hold space for that energy in in union in partnership right um you know with that and so yeah there's nothing like it right and um you know if you've had privilege of crossing path with a woman who is in that space you are one of those women you are radiant and talented and confident and you're doing incredible things and um and you know it's special when you're connecting and sharing with you know with someone like yourself or others who are in this energy field but let's talk about like when did this kind of this is back a ways right like women are on this journey and um like here we have the first female vice president elect right in the u.s depends on people here she'll be the vice president and you know in the coming days um like these walls are being broken down you know I personally love working with women. I love being in the presence of, of women. Yes. I love this energy. I'm so open to it and holding space for it. But not everybody is. So, like, can we share some of that origin story, I guess, and some of these, like, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's so much to share. And, you know, I my research is still only beginning but i can share what i am learning and that i what i'm most excited about right now because i've actually just uncovered a few things that i feel like are so significant and really empowering and whenever this topic comes up of you know the rise of the divine feminine the revival of the goddess like one thing i have to always acknowledge is that it doesn't look like the opposite of the patriarchy like the matriarchy doesn't look like women empower over men and it doesn't look like you know how the how it looks like now with men having you know more uh opportunity for work and higher pay and obviously like you know just a lot more privilege globally um even in the modern world still um like we see in politics, you know, so the matriarchy doesn't look like that. The the rising of the feminine looks like everyone being cared for, a seat for everyone at the table, you know, a, a nourishing reciprocal way of living. And so I just want to acknowledge that first and foremost, and then share, uh, I've been reading this incredible book lately called uh, When the Drummers Were Women. And it's blowing my mind because I've always been really interested in where everything started to go wrong, basically. And like the origins of this dysfunction of like, gosh, you know, we've been living for, you know, thousands of years at this point in this patriarchal society. And what I've found to be the origins is actually related to agriculture. Strangely enough, you know, we talked about like the issues with agriculture and, um, you know, obviously it's, it's an amazing gift. I love farming myself. Like I have a garden, I grow my food. It's really a beautiful experience and a way to relate to the natural world. And what I have discovered is that it's actually the invent of agriculture 
when people stopped being nomadic Mm -hmm. hunter gatherers and they started settling and creating an ownership dynamic with land where then we began to kind of have this slave owner slave mentality with the earth. So instead of the earth being this abundant mother and source of life, which we had, and this is what I got from the book is so amazing, literally for thousands of years, like they said, and I can't remember all the terms right now, but there's like these major chapters of human civilization and there was like, it kind of blew my mind and it's hard for me to even wrap my head around the idea that for like hundreds of thousands of years, like those numbers seem so big for me, but they literally said like 400,000 BC to like 10,000 BC. Mm-hmm. There was this whole uh, chapter. And even if we just called it like 10,000 years of human, n- not even civilization, but human existence mm-hmm. where people were nomadic, uh, there's... There's, um, uh, what would you say, like, uh, they've found um, proof of celebration, art, music, drumming, um, painting ourselves, like adoring ourselves, being in ceremony, being in ritual. You know, they have all these cave paintings where, and this is the key, there's no sign of aggression. Mm. There's no example anywhere of these oldest origins of humanity that there was war between people for tens of thousands of years if not hundreds of thousands of years again that number is hard for me to wrap my head around but we can definitely say like ten thousand years of humans living at peace with each other and with the world and then and there's many different cosmological stories for how this all came to be, but there was the settling that happened and then the agriculture that started. And then men started to be like, okay, this is my land. This is my wife. This is my firstborn son. I'm going to pass my power onto my son. Mm -hmm. And we started to get this patriarchal line of ownership, not only over each other, but over the land. Mm -hmm. And so, now we're faced with like so many generations of forgetting what it looked like to have a reciprocal relationship to the land as our mother and this, you know, relationship with life that rather than like the woman was made from the rib of the man, rather it was like mankind was birthed from the womb of the woman Mm -hmm. and fed from the abundant mother You know, it was like that goddess worship that was really at the source of humanity. And then we started to own the land and now we find ourselves where we are today, like owning the land to such a degree that we are just destroying it by the second. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think that it's, there's a lot of planetary alignments and, you know, different chapters of life that we find ourselves in. And I feel very grateful to be alive in this moment where we're now seeing this reemergence of, you know, people just naturally being really interested in these old ways and in the goddess and in creating a relationship with nature and, you know, reviving this more balanced way of relating to the natural world. And so that suppression, you know, like there was, like a fear of the women because it's like people knew that it was powerful like even in egypt Mm. there was so many things that we couldn't do in the temples Mm. like a lot of regulations around how we we couldn't meditate no meditating in the temples 
meaning as women or just in general? Anyone. Oh, yeah. Anyone. anyone. Okay. Uh, and then as women, we have to like cover our heads and, you know, like very, um, you know, dishonored in many ways. Um, and I didn't mind it. Like there's something to being veiled that's very beautiful mm. and powerful in its own way. Mm. But yeah, I think that what we're finding ourselves right now is at this crossroads of seeing like, okay, these certain patterns don't serve and don't work. And it's amazing to see women and men reclaiming our magic. Mm that's a part of our lives. And, you know, the patriarchy has totally suppressed our magic, our imagination Mm -hmm. and our ability to be divine creators Mm -hmm. because of whatever agenda I don't understand. And I'm like, man, everybody could be living a way better existence if we would just like get over the slave mentality, (laughs) but things take time. So we'll give it part of the journey of of the man as well. The modern masculine is, you know, to look inward to arrive to release that connection to ego and to the at least in my journey to the um to the suggestions the symbols the impressions of how i should live my life versus what actually feels you know healthy and well and good for me and also you know which includes deeper and more nourishing connection and relationships with other people. But to do that, you have to get out of your own way. And I know not just myself, but a lot of of men on, you know, their respective uh, journeys in awakening and um, transformation and growth are looking inward as opposed to blaming outward and exploring that to arrive, to arrive, to meet that energy, which you're, referring to yeah no um yeah shout out to the brothers that are doing the work it's so good to see and you guys are the way showers you know like it's that inner journey and your own self-exploration and empowering yourself to stand strong as the embodied divine masculine that you are and then be a vessel for other men to come into that alignment as well Right, which is what it does, is it, it does attract others who then explore that. I will say it is a bumpy journey, you know. I will say that it is, <laughs> well, it's interesting because, like, in my journey, uh, it was very solitary to make those moves. And I had connected with a shaman that then helped me recognize and shift um, some of these energies that were moving through me, some of the awareness that was coming up, help interpret uh, some of the things I was seeing, the signs and symbols and, and instincts. And to do it though, you know, it created a, a degree of almost separation from those existing toxic patterns, right? In so far that I needed to take some space from them to be able to explore what these things, you know, uh, were and are that have come up. And this has been about, you know, 10 years, I guess, of my journey um, of doing that, give or take. Yeah, about, you know, eight years, I guess, right? If this all, as I refer to eight years, it all kind of happened around this 
same time because these things were coming up, but it was very solitary in that first initiation of that work. And it led to a big pilgrimage and all these like insights. And like, I've got, yeah, I've got like, I mean, there's books and, and stories and videos and stuff for me to just like organize to share, to be honest, because um, there were major downloads, but it also separated me from what was normally like, you know, yeah. my kind of circle of friends and my buddies and, and, and whatnot, because there were certain elements and not everybody, but in certain circumstances, because there's certain elements that I just never, or I shouldn't say never, but didn't feel resonated with me anymore. And how I feel and, and what I feel about all these things we're discussing, right? What was the catalyst for that? Pain would be the catalyst. Because it's pleasure pain, I feel. I think this is a, you know, a... Tony Robbins thing. I think one of my ex-partners, we were listening to him in the car. It's where like, that's such a clear, that's like a clear association where it comes up for me, but we're motivated by pleasure or pain. And, you know, we're drawn to things that, that create pleasure and we're repelled from things that create pain. But each of those have to become strong enough for us to move in a direction. And for me, what I was doing um, was enjoyable, just like kind of career-wise, lifestyle-wise. I mean, the bars and all the fun and all this kind of stuff. It has its place in a journey, not to endorse anything, just to say that it was part of totally. the journey and it's valid. But in combination, I was feeling um, such a degree of like stress and increasing anxiety and increasing like kind of pressure of circumstance that because these were intense circles I was rolling in and it it didn't seem to have an end point to it the end point was when I ran out of gas and I started to run out of gas and I said well then what aspects of my life are unsustainable you know um, toxic like what is contributing to the depletion of my energy as opposed to the reinvigoration of it and so to go find that I had to remove myself from basically all sources I felt that were contributing to lessening it. And it doesn't, it's not to project that on anyone else. It's not that that's anyone else's fault. It was just, that's what I was receiving from my relationship with it. Right. And so to explore and, and deepen into that. And we got onto this by way of talking a bit about that journey of masculine growth. And so as I've been doing that, though, at first, it was very, um, you know, it was very isolating and I was critiqued heavily and, I, you know, I just received all that energy, but it is you, it's who you are. It's the layers you need to, to walk through. Um, and then I've found is as I've done that, like some of my biggest critics of my path along that journey have kind of circled back around I think in realizing that I really don't give a shit at the end of the day what they think about that like yeah. this is my path yeah. if you respect me and hold space for me then it's a function of you know you respect me or you don't and 
who I am and, and what I believe in. And if anyone in my world does, they should, and this I feel goes for anybody, should honor that person in spirit in their highest, truest, and authentic version of themselves, which we're all growing every day, I think, if we're on the similar path that you know you and I are on, um, you know, to explore and become, right? So as I did that and continued to embody it and was not shaken by all that kind of noise and energy, um, which still percolates, but I still don't give a shit, to be honest. We are who we are. I did find that that then, you know, began to call in um, a lot of other men and other women as well, but other men from a masculine perspective of like, hey, bro, like, what's going on? Or can you tell me more about meditation? Or what about like this? And, um, you know, started to share resources and things like this that have helped other men mm-hmm. start their own journey in that respect. You know, quit drinking, disconnect from drugs and kind of self-abusive patterns. Um, explore other sources of, you know, wealth generation, participation, service, the world, like, you know, holistic, sustainable energy patterns, treatment of other people, like this whole thing that it starts to unpack, which I imagine you feel as well as you carry this torch. I mean, there must be a, a large number of women and even men that, you know, reach out to you with questions and insights about, you know, all of this stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, surely. Uh, I think that you touched on a few really important topics there. Um, And one of them definitely being, you know, this path definitely comes with degrees of judgment. Um, I mean, I've been exercised from members of my own family, you know, we're healing that now. But there was a moment when you know, very close relatives who I love and cherish wouldn't speak with me because of the path that I'm walking. Mm-hmm. And it was heartbreaking. Uh, but it also, you know, it's, it can be challenging how you said, like at the time that you know, isolation and the, the aloneness that can be a part of pursuing a deeper path. But also, like, within that isolation, that's where many people, you know, to put it straight, is, like, that's where they find God. Mm -hmm. It's, like, in the pain, in the darkness, in the isolation, we find the thing that is, like, the most consistently there and, like, the greatest source of support. And... Like for me, that relationship is such a priority that it's like no one, no thing could ever make me question it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, as we cultivate that relationship, then it becomes such a strong anchor that no matter what people say or do around us, it's just like, just kind of bounces off. You know, I feel like I've become very reflective of like the judgments of others because I feel so crystal clear in my heart and it's amazing, as you mentioned, how people do cycle back around. And that goes for the spiritual path. It also goes for the wellness path. I've had people like write me off and be like, 
I'm good. I'm healthy. I don't want to hear anything about like what you're doing and what you're preaching. And like, I just, I'm on my own journey and I'm like, okay, of course you are like, enjoy your journey, you know? And I think it's important for us to practice non-judgment and also like not defend our stance, but just like remain solid within ourselves and let people live their lives. Cause we all have different work to do in this lifetime, but it is amazing how many people end up coming back around and, you know, expressing curiosity or becoming more open because we're being that example of neutrality and compassion and tolerance that, you know, then they're like, okay, so like, tell me more about exactly what you're doing actually. And, you know, that's a beautiful way of being and not trying to like put our dogma onto anybody, but just like keep walking the path and see, you know, who comes in at certain points that's curious and wants to learn more. Mm. I also love what you mentioned about the relationship between pain and pleasure. And, you know, I think that we live in a very extreme reality. Like duality is so strong right now. I would say like, especially this year more than ever, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Whoa, (laughs) we are dealing with some serious polarity and pain and pleasure, sacred and profane. Like all these things are extreme opposites on the spectrum. But I think that for us, it's really a matter of, finding that middle ground Mm -hmm. and like not getting like so high and holy that it's we're unaccessible and unrelatable, you know, like we started at burning man. Like I consider myself a qualitarian, like up until recently I've eaten everything. Now I'm on a flesh fast, but you know, I'm not like one to judge, you know, people eat animal, whatever. Like I, I love that, you know, like well-raised, happy, you know, animals that have had a happy life. Like I've, you know, totally eaten a plenty of meat, you know, and I will again, but I think that we're experiencing an extreme of pain and of the profane in our culture right now. Like the mental illness is off the charts. You know, what the mainstream media is putting out there is so toxic. And so it really is a practice of just bringing us a little bit you know, back to center on the spectrum and still honoring the, the pleasure and honoring the profane and, you know, bringing in a little bit more of the sacred and just like finding a, a more balanced path moving forward. Mm-hmm. I really like what you're sharing about um, accessibility and like, you know, and balance in that. I think part of the draw into, into these realms of awareness and and connection to source and you know similar insights the, the personal work alchemy transformation all this is that it can become and obviously people refer to it as you can drift into this really like woo-woo land of it it's such a terrible like kind of thing but i think most people who know what i'm referring to when i say woo they kind of get it it's like how is that how is that still anchored here? So someone who is not, I don't know, like just, you know, on their seventh hour of meditation staring across from you, able to communicate, you know what I mean? And um, I think it's very important. That's been a big exploration for me as well because the pendulum swings. Yeah. So my kind of past world was very much swung the other way 
which felt tiring and toxic. So then I swung with that pendulum fully in the other direction, backpack and, you know, sneakers <laughs> and whatever in Central America, you know, riding a bike across the coastline, like, like, just like I was just way out there, you know, uh-huh. um, like it was the complete opposite. And my work since has been to try and find that harmonious middle ground. I think the one thing that you find uh, in the journey of exploring, you know, these insights and these arts and um, our relationship with them and uh, our own personal growth um, is that once you receive them and you download them, they don't go away. And that's part of why people I feel circle back. And it's also why, you know, I welcome them anytime. Like whenever you want to dig a little deeper, because when that I feel knowing is in us, you don't really unknow for lack of a better word, right? It's, it's with you. So you carry it with you everywhere you go. And I feel that's why it's unshakable. Yeah. So it's those, you know, for me anyways, those explorations of those extremes, which then clarify for me where that middle ground likely is and have helped me find the balance in that. And I'm still doing that work on the balance because it moves a little bit, you know, but it is some of my favorite work to do is to find that because this awareness that I've developed personally is not going away and nor, nor will yours. Right. But it is important because I feel we do want to still anchor that we do still want to participate in the world. And we do, we do want to contribute to growth and change and transformation of our world from the inside out. So I don't believe in this, like, the system sucks. The system is broken. The system is what we build it to be. And we need to build that from the inside. So like a flower, really, it blossoms on the outside. It's really the work we have to do. Um, so I carry, I carry that with me, speaking to some of those you know, extremes and relatability and, and whatnot. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, there's this quote um, by Buckminster Fuller that I've been really dwelling on lately. Uh, you never change things by fighting against the existing reality. You change something, you build a new model that makes the old model obsolete. Mm. So I feel like that's just kind of relevant to everything you were saying was like this emergence, like we come up from within and you know, rather than creating like this us and them paradigm and like right and wrong, like that's the duality that has us in this predicament that we're in, but rather like, you know, asking more questions, seeking to understand, like maintaining accessibility, like the journey of the aesthetic is amazing. Mm -hmm. But like, if we all just dipped out and went and meditated in a cave somewhere, like civilization would keep happening. And I feel like, you know, those of us that really want to dream, awake, a better world for future generations to come need to be active. Mm -hmm. And some of us, our path is to just be the mom and go and like 
hold that down on behalf of everybody. But I do feel like many of us right now are being called to like plug in mm-hmm. and get active in politics and get active in the industries that are shaping civilization so that we can determine what comes next. Yeah, and I feel that we we observe those that are and we acknowledge they're doing it. But I don't feel that we refer to exactly what they're doing in the same terms, right? I think that's part of the misinterpretation where for us, like I look at Elon Musk as an example, be like, there's an obvious alchemist right there. This man is a change agent, you know? He's reinventing patterns and places and things. Now we could unpack like his whole world, right? And his whole whole being and um, people would have different takes on that. But that's an example of someone at a very, you know, well-known level who's doing that work. But within the system that already exists, is making these huge impacts, right? Um, This is startup culture. This is Silicon Valley culture. This is, you know, um, this is this whole world, which I'm a part of as well. And um, leveraging our ability or tools um, or opportunities, you know, in that world to affect some of this change and um, to kind of work with that playbook, but in our own unique ways, right? Yeah. Which now is a cool segue, I feel, in talking a bit about... um, the Academy of Oracle Arts, which is a newer venture. Yes. It's a spectacular name. Thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, The website's amazing, the aesthetic. I told you, you know, earlier, I'm a bit of a branding guy, right? I just appreciate great art and um, branding and design and all this is, you know, an extension and embodiment of you know ideally (laughs) great art and i think that really is and then dropping the anchor in it with meaning and power and growth um and the potential for growth across a whole bunch of different kind of elements and aspects so tell us about the academy of oracle arts i just think it's a beautiful thing Yep, it is. <laughs> um, it's very mystical. Uh, it's founded by Isis, who I went to Egypt with last year. And I'm very much in service to this creation. Uh, it began actually through um, myself and a few other young women came to Isis last summer. And we told her we wanted to apprentice with her. And she's pretty young still herself. And so it was funny when we had the conversation, she was like, what do you mean? I don't even know what that looks like. Like, uh-huh. like no, or okay, but what, like, what is that? And so it's become this journey of figuring out what that looks like and what it evolved into was because once it started, word started getting out that we were going to apprentice with her, uh, 
many other people came forward because she is a very dedicated student. Mm -hmm. She's been studying Egyptian cosmology and the hermetic sciences and particularly uh, the Kabbalah for a long time. My cat is a... playing with all my wrapping paper. No. <laughs> I, can go I need to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was like a very humble beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it evolved into 42 students uh, coming together for a journey that began uh, this spring, right? As COVID was beginning, we were gathering as a collective virtually at first and then we found a way to actually gather in person and do a year-long journey of an apprenticeship with isis where we're moving through the kabbalah through the tree of life and studying many different esoteric approaches to life including uh, the hebrew language and alchemy and dream work and just like all of the esoteric perspectives that we can possibly get our hands on with the theme being uh, oracle, being to, you know, be oracles, to become oracles. Mm. And then through that also, we founded the Academy of Oracle Arts. And uh, it's, it's an incredible project I'm so honored to be a part of. I've stepped into the role as head of media. So I get to film all of these master teachers And we've released a course on cacao as a vehicle for change, the art of ritual. Um, we're doing another six-month journey on earth wisdom and uh, one thing called uh, portals of light, which is working with like the energetics on the planet and how to like work with the grid lines and sacred places and really be alchemists of the natural world. Uh, and, and really, I mean, we have a roster of, over 40 different teachers that we're creating courses with. And the vision is basically to have it be like magical masterclass uh, through the oracular traditions, which originally, first of all, the oracular traditions is, um, you know, through our mouths, through language, through storytelling and passing on wisdom oracularly. It also is opening up a channel for the divine and oracles throughout history have played a huge role in society and in politics. Like many people are familiar with the Oracle of Delphi. You know, this was a, a seat that was held by, oh, someone's here. Um, my mom will get that. <laughs> the Oracle is speaking to us. <laughs> the Oracle, like, you rang, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, really the, the idea of the Oracle is creating a, a dialogue with life mm. and that everything around us has a message and has meaning and to be able to read life in that way and just notice that like everything that happens, we can, you know, see it as just like circumstance and, uh, you know, just kind of like whatever life is happening, or we can see it as signs and symbols and create a narrative that is really a much more deeper relationship with life. And so we have a divination board that we work with that we use different tools and um, it's amazing. It's given us a lot of new rights that uh, we're working with through the Academy and through the Oracle clan. And 
it's really beautiful because it's creating um, a new path of really like a new path of spirituality and helping us to not become a part of this perpetual problem of cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. That is a big conversation these days and to create a new way based on the old, old ways of relating to life in a very sacred way and creating beautiful meaning through our day-to-day experiences. It's awesome. I love it. It's very cool. Yeah. We have definitely come to, um, to worship technological progress as improvement. And I'm a big, uh, fan of technology and progress and I love exploring new tools Um, but I feel our future is increasingly to find harmony with them and also in a way that doesn't take us away from the natural you know magic and intelligence that already exists in the connection of all things around us. Um, I feel that's where we're going. And I feel the work you're doing is, you know, reigniting that awareness in people about what's already here, not just, you know, what's in this, right? Uh, That doesn't necessarily have all the answers. The answers are present. It could be in a, a road sign or a flower, you know, or that animal that stops and looks at you. I mean, these are the, um, these are the ancient ways of connecting, right. And interpreting and gaining insight and connecting with that intuition. And you guys are, you guys are all over that work. It's amazing. And helping people discover that and develop that for themselves. It's spectacular. What, right. uh, go, and ahead. go ahead. This is a crystal like we're able to get this wisdom out especially right now while many people are in quarantine we're able to access the entire planet like we have students coming forward all over the world because of the crystals that are inside of these technologies right so we're not abandoning technology you know there's a sacred marriage between uh, like we talked about this sacred and the pain and the pleasure the ancient and the modern and like i have all this camera gear and like i like build an altar for it when we set up like i'm like okay this is sacred and we're gonna bring the sacred into this so that we can again accessibility so that we can create accessibility for many people to be able to celebrate in these ways and have this form of communion and so it's a really interesting journey of like bringing you know technology and ritual together and there's also a time and a place where like there's no technology and certain things that we do that will never be documented Mm -hmm. i think it's important for everyone to cultivate that in their lives and like what is the sacred that nobody sees Mm-hmm. You know, and that we're not like, look at I'm doing ritual, like I'm gonna post on Instagram, you know. But like also I do believe that that's a part of disseminating this information. It's like let's talk about it, let's infuse social media with magic and intention and living this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but also 
you know, have a healthy balance with it. Like we talked about like the neutrality and find a way to, to dance this dance delicately. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Sometimes like all the technology will like be in ritual and all like, cause we have a lot of people that just zoom in that are isolating for the rituals that we do. And like, if it's really potent, everything will just stop working. Like the whole live feed will just like start malfunctioning. And I'm like, Oh my right. God, this is just too magical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but it's also a beautiful thing that we can share with more people that way. Right. Well, it's finding the harmony in, the, in these types of tools, but then also it's accepting if they don't work. Right. Like there's some, it's, it's pushing you towards something that's supposed to work more if something isn't working for whatever reason, you learn that, you know, along the way. When I first left on my journey years ago, uh, my pilgrimage years ago, it was very much to explore that, was to disconnect from a lot of these patterns, which I feel present day are very mentalized. And you, you can, we talk about mindset and things like this. Yes, you can have a very positive mindset and you can emit a certain vibration. I believe in all these, you know, aspects. Um, but there's a lot of what's happening structurally, financially, um, socially through these kind of mental based constructs that we source the mind as the only origin of answer. And when we move into feeling and intuition, that's the exploration. And so when I left on my pilgrimage, it was specifically to explore that. You know, I dabbled with it locally and, you know, walk around town and see where my intuition would guide me without really thinking about anything and would hold that space. And, you know, I started to experience all these little miracles, right? So you're like, well, what happens if you broaden that? So it was such a curious journey. And I felt as soon as I just surrendered to that aspect of myself and let it guide me where I felt drawn to, which is part of everything we're referring to here. Um, then I just started to bear witness to all these things that were showing up, all these signs and symbols and like really deepening that, that level of awareness. And so then when you marry it back together, um, yeah, I feel it's empowering, but I feel you found balance in it. Like this isn't my only source of truth or my only source of answer. But with that awareness and connecting it with this, yeah, I can find this harmony between the two. And um, I feel that those in that balance, you know, empower me and, and help me grow. And I do feel going forward in these years and kind of decades to come, that will be more of the path and the journey that we're on, right? I think that harmonization of, you know, of these existing progressive tools that we're developing with that ancient wisdom is, is the way, right? So um, it's amazingly cool work you're doing. It's, it's awesome. Did well, you want to things I just want to say, I know we're kind of starting to wrap up here, but okay. really quick, I just have to plug um, in regards to the mind, because you talked about the mental game that we're in and like bringing things more into the heart and more into spirit and more into our intuition. And uh, another 
recommendation I just want to give to anybody that's listening to this is uh, to tune in with the Shambhala Warrior Prophecy, which is one of the foundational principles that I live my life by now. Um, It was introduced to me uh, by ISIS. And uh, there's a YouTube video of Joanna Macy delivering this prophecy. And it's beautiful and it's so resonant. And, you know, every time I hear it, I'm just like, yeah, that's where we're at and what's happening right now. And it talks about how what we're experiencing right now is monomaya. It's made by the mind. Mm -hmm. And all that is made by the mind can also be unmade by the mind. And so, you know, I want to also like give empowerment to all the great thinkers and inventors and imagineers that are living right now to, you know, really empower ourselves and our minds to reimagine and recreate what's possible in the world. And we began this conversation talking about Burning Man and like Burning Man and many of these transformational festivals that have become so popular in the past decade. Like it's a circumstance where what's possible in the mind, it becomes, there's like more possibilities and people really do like tune into their intuition and release what they should be doing and allow for more, like you talked about the miracles of like, follow your intuition of like, I'm just going to get on my bike and ride and see where I end up and meet magical people and eat like waffles for breakfast at this like random place on the playa. And like, who knows, you know, like anything could happen. It's Burning Man, right? right. Especially now, like for the first time in how long Burning Man didn't happen this year. Yeah, and I've even thought this for a while, like going to these festivals and being like, man, I love this. And there's a missing link between people. It becomes escapism when people go to these festivals and they like live this magical reality for a weekend or a week. And then they go back to their mundane lives and it's like, they forget. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, especially when all these events are canceled indefinitely, what we get to do as magicians mm-hmm. is to rediscover the magic of every moment and to take those philosophies that we've been cultivating in the festival circuit and bring them into our everyday lives and allow for intuition and wonder and awe to be our compass just the way that we did there and, you know, integrate it into every day so that we can experience those miracles on a regular basis, not just when we're in these containers that facilitate it, but actually live these philosophies moment to moment and watch the magic unfold. And it starts here, you know, and like merging heart and mind and our gut and our intuition. And then, you know, allowing a new dream to be held, you know, within the the mental, because this is just a head game, you know, like what we think we create. And so I just want to like empower anybody tuning in here. And I'm sure because of like, who our audience is like, there's probably going to be a lot of burners to like take that incredible imagination that you brought to the playa and the art and the freedom and the liberation that was cultivated in that culture. And like, how can you make that a part of everyday life? You know? Mm-hmm. Cause it's not just within those, those gates. No, we, we go there 
to explore it and experiment with it and to just experience it. And then we should take it with us and we should create extensions, yeah. of, you know, these inspirations elsewhere. And I think that's happening and I think you're doing it. I think I'm doing it. And yeah. I'm certainly, certainly we're to do it. Right? <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I know you're, um, you're tight. I, I could keep chatting with you here for a while, but I know your windows, you know, closing, so I won't hold you up all day, but, um, but, uh, amazing space you're holding great work you're doing i'm inspired by your journey thank you for sharing it um me and and others we're gonna do this again and and more um but uh agents of change uh dot com dot what dot earth agents of change dot earth that is your source of micronutrients and high vitality, you know, nourishment and all of this magic. Yeah. Um, Academy of Oracle Arts. Dot com. Uh, dot com. Academy of Oracle Arts dot com. Uh, this is your source for, you know, that deep, mystical, intuitive uh, development of knowing and awareness. Uh, very, very cool. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of that as well. Convergence. Where do we learn about convergence? Um, oh, you said the site's coming. Me, yeah. I think if anybody really wants to tune in, we have a rocking release plan for 2021, and it's cool because all the music and video content that we're going to be putting out, we've charted it completely aligned with the astrology. Oh, cool. So every new moon and full moon, we're going to be dropping a new track and uh, just like releasing a lot of BTS and just like the message behind the music and what inspired every song. Mm-hmm. And that'll just be through my Instagram feed. So if people just want to follow me at Roxanne Ruby, um, that's really where all the convergence and everything. I just will be telling all the stories okay. through that portal. <laughs> so that's to stay in touch and reach out if anybody's like resonant or has questions or wants to go deeper i love diving into these topics with people so i'm happy to make many new friends all the time <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah. well uh, thanks for sharing all this stuff i thought it was a ton of fun i thought we covered so some funny. really interesting things like when you drop in we just hold space and then it's like where are we going to flow and um that's part of why i really enjoy doing this because i have no idea where we're going to go i don't actually know and i'm always uh surprised and enthused and i always learn amazing things from the people i share space with so thanks for thanks for sharing and um we're gonna chat some more you and i uh you know uh-huh. after this and as we go but uh thanks for everybody for for tuning into this um roxanne ruby and uh i'm chad mcmillan you know where to find me at chadmc.com and uh any of my channels, I'm around as well. So drop me a note or uh, leave me comments or thoughts or questions anytime. And um, we'll chat with you all soon. Thanks so much, Chad. It's been a yeah. pleasure. <laughs> Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.